モーニングプロジェクトプレゼンツ Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the nichiest podcast ever. And now, let's meet our contestants. Contestant number one. My name is Brian O'Hala. I live in Seattle, Washington with my husband David in our cat pajamas. When I'm not playing Famicom or PC Engine games, I like walking on the beach, watching tennis, or doing copious amounts of pull ups. Contestant number two. Hi, my name is Anne, and I live in Australia. You might think all I do is take long walks in the outback with kangaroos, but in actuality, I spend my free time reading manga about boys who love other boys and playing all kinds of weird and wacky video games. And finally, contestant number three. Hi, this is Shidoshi, and I like to. Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. Stop that music. This isn't Warning Huge Podcast. I was totally duped. And now, here is your show. So, I'm almost kind of thinking that we made a huge mistake in naming this podcast the nichiest podcast ever. Um, because that is like a huge amount of... Uh, not responsible pressure that is now <laughs> upon us because if this is not a niche podcast then then from the very first episode we have already failed in, in our mission <laughs> oh here. man yeah we're gonna get hate mail you know oh, i knew all the games you mentioned <laughs> <laughs> well so this kind of podcast came and, and well actually for a second let's go back to that name because um i don't remember the exact origins of how it came about but wasn't the first suggestion like the bitchiest podcast ever? <laughs> no, I think that's why I liked it. I think. <laughs> okay, so so some so some so somebody, it might have been Anne, who said it was so. going to be the nichiest podcast ever, and then you said we could like change it to the bitchiest. I think I liked the idea of if there was a logo that someone read, would write bitchiest podcast ever, and then cross it out and put nichiest over the top of it. That's but... right. <laughs> so anyway. Yes, but so we we will find out if we are actually niche or not. Um, I, I don't know that that's our our hard and fast rule, but but so why I think kind of part of the reason that name came about was just because of um, the way this podcast came about, and this is kind of like just a born on Twitter uh, over time kind of thing uh, because I like at this point I don't even it's it's funny because you end up meeting people on the internet. And you get to know them, but then you don't remember how you ever met them in the first place. <laughs> and the internet's become very, very strange in that. And uh, as as people are being chased by police outside <laughs> my house. Um, so I, I think, I don't know if it was Anne that I met first or Brian that I met first uh, online. But I'm going to start with Brian because I think Brian's story is easier for me to explain. <laughs> so Brian, you run a website called... The gay gamer. Well, yes, yes. And I know that um, 
as as I am want to do, one of the reasons why uh, I took notice of you is because you wrote about me, and I love when people write about me. <laughs> so you had uh, you had brought up the the interview I did with uh, with Onosan from Capcom about poison. Oh right, yes, but I don't remember if I had actually known had talked to you much before that or not. I, I don't, don't know. I don't think we maybe had. I think I mentioned it. I mentioned the blog post on Twitter and you responded to it. And then, you know, history was made. <laughs> history was made. <laughs> so, so how long have you been doing that blog? Oh, my God. I don't know if I even remember. I think since 2007, maybe. So what, what, so like the, the title, just the gay gamer yeah. is, 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 is very just, just, very to the fact, and I, <laughs> I, I laugh because the the image that you use <laughs> is kind of the uh, the uh, God. And it, the name is like totally escaping me now. It's like the the. Oh oh yes. Well, I could say it, but I don't know Japanese, so I don't want to massacre the language. But Yaranaika, I think, is what the actual yes name is. Yes, that guy, and that yes. just cracked cracked me up. But so. So how how did you end up like what made you decide to do a blog in the first place and then and then what made you decide to do a video game blog and then what made you decide to say this is the slant I'm going to take <laughs> on my blog and my writing Um god I mean it was so long ago I would say that I just I've always been someone who I'm a blabbermouth and I like to write and talk about things that interest me and I and at that point in my life um I can't remember if I'd already moved yet or if I was about to move but I just I've never had any friends as an adult who were into games and I felt like I didn't have an outlet for my interests <laughs> um and even though I'm a writer by day I don't I never write about games for money so or I haven't in a long time um so I just thought well why not do my own site or blog and write about whatever the hell I want. And I don't have to worry about people telling me what to do. And I don't have to worry about deadlines. I can just do whatever I want. And, um, you know, I'm sure some people have seen on my blog, I have kind of particular interests. So <laughs> this way I get to write about all those stupid things I buy and nerdy things and that only I care about. And so that's... You, you seem to love... and and, and, and <laughs> Now... Tell me if I'm wrong here, but you you seem to occasionally be interested in purchasing um, uh, strange and obscure yes. fam Japanese Famicom games and PC Engine games and PC Engine and, games. Yes, yes, I know, I know, and the, and and I'm sure some people probably think I'm completely insane, and I probably shouldn't write about some of those things sometimes. But I figure, what the hell? I mean, I'm so, sure some people find it funny. So, <laughs> so I'm going to already cause us to have a fight on this podcast. Oh no! When I bring this up, but. Um, so I have, I have like custom firmware the hell out of my PSP yeah. and I have a back home. I have a pretty sizable turbo graphics collection. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to hunt down a turbo emulator for my PSP and put it on there because I don't have any of my games here with me, but then I can go back and play them. And like, I always really loved the turbo graphics. Yeah. Like there was just something about it. And, and I had the old school like American Turbo and then the, the Turbo Duo, the American version, and all these kind of games and everything for it. Just so many games and, and, and five controllers for each console <laughs> and everything. 
and I loved it so much. And I went back on that emulator, and I, I was like, you know what? Most of these turbo games just completely suck. Like, <laughs> I forgot just how terrible this, this system's library actually was. How Am I wrong about that? Uh, well, okay, you know... Um... Actually, it's funny because I there are tons of games that when I played them as a teenager, I absolutely hated. Um, but now I play some of them, and you know, a lot of them because of the aesthetics. I think the games were quite rough compared to you know, even Nintendo games, but Super Nintendo and Genesis, and um, some of them are just kind of garish looking, and and I hated that a lot for a long time. And for some reason nowadays, I'm finding it more appealing but is, is, is there not be i'm not to interrupt you before you go on but yeah. is there not something just totally lovable about how turbo games look yeah and i i've never been able to really figure like what it is exactly it's almost kind of like it's it's the games are this weird in between world between the nes 8-bit yes. stuff and then like the 16-bit yes stuff. and also just some really weird stuff i mean stuff that you maybe would not have found anywhere else. I don't know. I think that's what the appeal is, is you just find some really screwed up games and I don't know, you know, for whatever. I'm, I'm, I think because I have some weird obsession with Japanese culture, to me that kind of symbolizes it. So I enjoy them even more. I don't know. So Anne, do you, do you care at all about turbo graphics? No. I do not because, <laughs> because I've never even played a turbo graphics game ever. You know, like, you're like you're like what? What is that? Yeah, what the hell? Uh, are you probably about? the only games I know are the ones that Brian has written about. Actually, <laughs> but see, it's it's so funny to me because I mean, you know, for when I was younger and the turbo graphics came out, and I remembered going to Toys R Us and seeing the. Uh, displays for like Ease Book One and Two and everything, and and I was like, wow, those are those look like those Japanese cartoons. That's so yeah. awesome. And then and then I remember my first game I think was Valus Three, and I got home and it's like this game is talking to me, <laughs> and it's like a cartoon. It's animated, and that just like like you people these days can't appreciate that at all. But that yeah. just blew your mind when you first saw that. Yeah. Um. There was another question I was going to ask you, and I completely forgot what it was. Your website. Uh, oh, no. Okay. So so <laughs> the the title, The Gay Gamer, like how do, do you it's, – it's just interesting because there's this kind of, I think, in in the the gaming culture and fandom and community whenever – there's always kind of two sides of the side that like – I'm going to kind of just hide who I am and, and just go with the flow and blend in. Yeah. And then the other side, like, you know what? This is who I am. I'm not going to be ashamed of that. I'm going to be out there. And this is, you know, so like just in that title and putting it right there in the title, you know, the gay gamer, like, have you ever gotten any kind of like negative feedback from that? Or has it t typically been positive? You know, I don't think I've had a single hate comment on my blog ever which i'm actually amazed by <laughs> but i am very um, amazed by that i've had i had some weird tweets when i first got onto twitter and that was about it and i just ignored people um but yeah i mean i don't know i'm just not someone who's um at all closeted and i just felt that there were so many game sites and blogs out there at the time when i started that there's no way i can make a niche for myself if I just, you know, 
call it D-pad or I don't know what the <laughs> hell I was going to call it. But anyway, so I thought, well, why not just put it out there and, you know, you know, the whole idea of making it pink and outrageous. And I just thought, well, maybe just that will attract some people and, you know, I'll go from there. And that's all I really thought about. <laughs> so, so Anne. Yes. I, I, I have no idea who you even are. So, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I think it was just like, like we needed a third person for this podcast and I just randomly picked uh, off Twitter. I don't, oh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but so I, I don't remember how I first met you. Again, again, it's a Twitter kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. But so, so, so who are you? <laughs> well, I think you followed me first, by the way. I want that to be put on record. <laughs> I would completely disagree with that, but I cannot swear <laughs> to which no, I don't. Right. I don't know. I can't. Yeah, we can't go back and see. But um, I did write about you, too, actually. And I it, it was about the Ono interview about poison. And see, there's a common yeah. theme here. It's like I'm collecting people <laughs> who write about me. <laughs> it was more about the whole poison issue. It's, you know, all of it and talking about different interpretations as to what her real gender was and then that but that was sparked by your interview that I read that and I thought oh yeah I really should share this on my blog and kind of educate people so I did a link to it so maybe that's where it all started but um yeah uh you know I have and and, and, and <laughs> sorry and I'm sorry go, no go ahead go oh ahead. no I was just gonna start rambling about who I am existentially and all that <laughs> <laughs> well, now I was going to say that you you are Australian. Well, so. yeah, an American living in Australia, which <laughs> makes me an Australian to you guys, but to them here, I'm still an American. So I'm in this weird middle place, I guess. <laughs> when when you are not on our soil, we consider you to have uh, betrayed us. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. So so how 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 did you get to Australia? Well. The two major reasons why I'm here, um, probably the largest one, is that my husband is Australian. <laughs> so um, we met in Japan when we were both studying abroad in Japan and started dating then and both went back to our respective countries and I had to finish college in the US and so we did the long distance thing and then when I graduated from University of Massachusetts I said okay I can either stay here and get him to come over here or I can go over there and since I wanted to do graduate school I found that there was a university in Australia that I really wanted to go to because there was a professor I wanted to work with so I thought oh well that works out I can go to Australia and study and you know he happens to be there too so that's a bonus so yeah then I've been here about two years now so now am, am I am I allowed to bring up your your interesting hobby of course you are <laughs> yes <laughs> So you you do something with Japanese manga. Yes. You you are a fan translator? Uh actually I've never done any fan translating. All the translating I've done has been real uh you know, paid translation, but <laughs> So I I guess I guess the, I so I guess I was never I never understood that you were actually doing it as a job. Um, yeah, I don't know if you're familiar. There's a U.S. publisher called Digital Manga, in, uh, Digital Manga Incorporated. I don't know. They say DMI, sure. um, and they publish 
uh, boys love manga, or yaoi, as it's more commonly known. Uh, and they, they yeah, they, uh, I kind of do somewhat of a freelance type thing for them. They have a, a group called Digital Manga Guild, and they get sort of um, hobbyist translators, and they pay them sort of, you know, a, a percentage, a smaller percentage than they would, uh, you know, a top-tier translator to do these um, translations for them. And it's kind of their way of getting a lot of different manga out very, very quickly. So they've started hiring people that maybe got their start in scanolating, which is, you know, fan translations of manga that people put online. See, I just always had these images of you just sitting at home with such a passionate love for, for boys love manga that you just had to get it into English and get it out <laughs> there to the world. And and now now my all my dreams of, of, of Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you're you're just you're just doing it for the money. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> I make a whole seven bucks per volume, so it's really <laughs> but, but 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 okay, so but you said that you kinda of came up to that hobbyist thing. So it's 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 you're not actually going to work every day. No, but no, this. not no, not doing that. But now I'm doing a PhD in boys of manga, so technically that counts as work too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how <laughs> I'm I um I will be careful with 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 this question, but how 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 did you get interested in boys love manga in the first place? Well, I think it first started when I was really into Sailor Moon when I was really little. And that's kind of how my whole interest in Japan and learning Japanese started was from that. But I started reading a lot of fan fiction on the internet. Um, and I think through, you know, all this fan fiction I was reading, they started pairing together characters, male characters from the show that weren't actually... I've never heard of that yeah, ever. I mean, that... <laughs> never heard of such a thing. Well, when you're like, you know, 12 years old, it seems very, very new and magical <laughs> to you then. But yeah, so I think, I think it was the fan fiction. And then from there, I found that there was this whole genre that, you know, the characters actually, the authors put them together originally for the series rather than it was just the fans putting them together because they thought, oh, this would be nice if, you know, Harry Potter made out with Draco Malfoy or something. <laughs> now I don't know if you're going to know this or not but I want to say that one of the first yaoi anime to go to America was a thing called Fake yes. because I, the reason I know this is because um, I, I was reviewing anime for GameFan at the time oh wow okay so all, all the new releases I'd get and I remember that being a pretty big deal because I think that was like one of, if not the, like, first officially released, like, boys love anime that ever uh -huh. came out to America. So it was, like, a huge, huge deal at that point. And I can't remember if I actually reviewed it for a magazine <laughs> or not. Yeah, well, I'll admit but. I have not seen that. Mainly because the art style doesn't appeal to me. If I don't like the art, I won't, you know, look at it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it's kind of, um... And I don't even know how to explain it, but it's it's kind of, I don't know how, yeah, it's that it's that art style. I'm not really a big fan of it either. It's I I want to say like everybody looks very elongated. If that yeah. makes any sense. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's very popular yeah. in like the '90s kind of. I guess that style. 
And I kind of I kind of miss some of the older anime styles, but I kind of don't for other <laughs> ones. It's you know what it reminds me of is like I think of things like uh, Demon City. Oh and stuff yeah. Like that. <laughs> so, uh, but we are actually here to talk about uh, video sorry. games. I mean, <laughs> we could sit here talking about us all day long. But so E three happened recently. Now, what 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 did you guys think of E three? Just to, to start off. As a whole, or <laughs> yeah, just as, as a whole, as as a, as a show overall, compared to like because I I feel that as as people who like video games, every year we make this super yeah. huge deal about E three. You know, it's kind of the if you want to say Christmas for gamers or whatever you want to you want to call about it. But you make this it's like it's like Christmas Day. You know, you you have in your mind like what you're going to get on Christmas, and you're like so excited, and the days building up are so are so magical and you're counting down, you're crossing off your little calendar and everything. And then you wake up Christmas morning, you go downstairs <laughs> in your pajamas and you start like ripping over the presents. And then some Christmases you get like everything you wanted and more and you're so excited and happy and you, life could be better. And then other Christmases you get like, oh, it's like socks, you know, <laughs> that's okay. I got socks. An orange in the, in the right bottom of my stocking. So, this year was kind of very, very mixed as to reaction. So, like, from, mm. from you, you two's perspectives, like, what did you think of, of, of overall? Like, how did you come away from E3 feeling? Do you want to go first? Uh, no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, th- I thought it was the, the orange in the stocking. Oh. I was really disappointed. I don't know why. I, I mean, I just thought all three, I expected cooler things than I got, I guess. And maybe I'm just getting too old. I don't know. And, and I can't put up with, like, hearing the CEOs blather on and the conferences anymore. I don't know. It just was It was painful for me. But Now, d- d- <clears throat> Reggie. Yes. Like, I remember Reggie. Reg- Reggie came on the scene. And he's like, I'm here to like kick ass and show you games and my body is ready and all this kind of stuff, you know. And everyone's like, Reggie, yay, woo, Reggie's awesome, you know, and like Reggie fan clubs and, and I want to meet Reggie and all that kind of stuff. And and I don't know, just like now at this point, I look at the guy and his face just makes me so angry <laughs> because he like, and I, it's not anything personally against him. It's just that he, he is the face of Nintendo of America, a company that just continuously upsets me greatly. And, you know, he comes out and he's got just these terrible jokes. Uh. And everything's like a cute, you know, alliteration or something. And it just bothers me. And, and <laughs> it's so funny that, that Reggie was like this, this superstar. And now it just, he, he frustrates me so much. Yeah. Personally, I'd rather have Iwata, like, uh, you know, doing his share impression with his hair any day than <laughs> Reggie. I get. <laughs> but that's and, just me. And Reggie, what do you what, what do you think? Well, I'll, I'll get this out there right now. Since I wasn't, uh, I didn't have internet access during the 
conference because I was in Malaysia for my like third wedding. Um, <laughs> but so I didn't I didn't actually watch the press conferences and I got back and I was catching up on the news and everybody was like, oh, it sucks. And I read about what was in the actual conference that was announced and what they talked about and I said yeah I don't I, I don't even want to go watch it like I don't yeah, I'm too scared no. I don't want to see how awful it is so I didn't actually watch him this year and maybe I'm happy that I missed out on it you didn't miss <laughs> are, are are you are you too excited for the Wii U at all mm. I am mixed feelings for me I think Okay, then, then Brian. So, what what makes you excited for the system? Um, well, okay, I, maybe excitement is a strong word. I'm not actually, you know, I don't wake up every morning and jump up and down at the idea that it's coming out. Um, but I don't know. I just I feel like all I care about is that it means more. You know, um, there will be a new 3D Mario. There will be um, certain first party IPs that I like and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with them but other than that I mean I don't know at this point it's hard to not just stare wide-eyed at Nintendo as they kind of fumble around and wonder what the hell they're doing and you know is it going to work or isn't it going to work at this point I'm kind of like you know I have hope that they know what the hell they're doing with Wii U but I'm not sure that that's the case but I'm still looking forward to it (laughs) I, I like that we come out of E3 like not even being certain that the system's coming out this year. <laughs> I know. Like well, it is, but you would never have been able to tell that from their show. And, and they're just so strange in how they, um, I mean, in retrospect, it isn't a totally stupid idea to show new Super Mario Brothers U or We Fit U or, um, you know, other games that are, probably going to sell many, many copies. So I guess in retrospect, that's okay. But the fact that they spent so much time talking about games that they've shown before, (laughs) it's hard to not be totally disappointed. You know, I mean, everybody was expecting to see games that would blow them away, and you're like, oh, Nintendo Land, and maybe it is a nice game, but it's hardly a game that's going to get, you know, hardcore, or not even hardcore, just gamers excited. So I don't know. Can you imagine if Nintendo had spent like 20 minutes showing off Wii Play at the right. conference? They probably did. <laughs> Back then, I, mean, I can't remember. I mean, that... Oh. <sighs> okay, so so Anne, you're, you're kind of mixed. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah. I, I was hoping that we would get <laughs> some new games for the system, you know, that they wouldn't announce all of it, like, this is our launch lineup, you know, like, I think they did it for the 3DS a year or two back, that they said, these are all the games that are coming out in the th- for the 3DS in the next year, and they kind of showed all the little screenshots and lined them up, and it said Animal Crossing, Luigi's Mansion, Mario, and, you know, I was, like, getting really excited, because right. those are all games I want to play, yeah. but with the Wii U, they didn't, I mean, I'm not a huge Mario fan, and Pikmin sounds fun, but I, I have never actually played a Pikmin game yet, so um, I can't fully appreciate that. But there wasn't anything that grabbed me, you know. They didn't announce something, and I said, you know, a new Pokemon game or, you know, a Final Fantasy that's coming only to the Wii U. And so there's nothing that really grabbed me that, you know, makes me feel like I need to have that console on launch you know i don't need to play mass effect 3 on my wii u or any of that so 
who who is gonna who is gonna jump into Mass Effect into the third chapter <laughs> on, on on the Wii U? I have no idea. That's <laughs> just I, yeah, I don't know. Like I, well, so a conversation I kind of had with somebody else earlier today was that so we have new Xbox and PS systems coming out probably next next at least being announced next year either next year or year before after after that um and the wii u is kind of coming out and it's it's kind of sort of the current generation of systems but a little bit better you know and and i don't think it's going to compare at all when those new systems come out but my thought is <clears throat> you know all, all of us here are, are are pretty big into japanese games in one way or another um isn't the wii u kind of a way for Japan to not have to jump into the uh, frightening pool of next generation. Because if you think about it, like one of my favorite companies is Atlas. Atlas has released one game in this generation so far for the Xbox yeah. and the PS3. Um, and, and their next game, the fighting game is kind of a joint project with arc system. You know, you can go down a list and, and look at all these different companies in Japan that have released, you know, handfuls or less of games this generation. And they are struggling to do that much. So I almost kind of wonder if the Wii U isn't going to be a way for those companies to kind of take whatever progress they've made this generation and just kind of keep going with it in a way that will keep them fresh versus trying to continually put stuff out in the current systems. Hmm. Do you, do you, is there any logic to the idea? Yeah, whatsoever? that's a good point. I think, think. I, I didn't think of that before. I'd be interested then, you know, how the, these Japanese developers would be able to incorporate the new controller pad because that's so vastly different from, mm -hmm. you know, what we're used to. Well, and the question too is if you have games where you, you have, um, like all the things that go on, on on that second screen, like your inventory or you're controlling your items or whatever. What happens when you have the game only playing on that gamepad yeah. Yeah. on the screen? Because you can't do that then. Yeah. So I, I, it's like there's there's so many. It's it's interesting because with the, I think the Wii before right before the Wii came out. There were questions, but the questions were more like, oh, what are people going to do with this system? You know, how is this motion controller going to change the way I play games? Whereas with the Wii U, their questions are like, you know, how is this thing even going to work? You know, like, when's it coming out? How <laughs> yeah. much is it going to cost? Yeah. Well, you know what? what? My, my actual complaint with them at this point is that um, I feel like they're... I'm sure there is a better way of explaining what they're trying to do to people, and yet instead of focusing it, they're kind of constantly fumbling around with like, here is a N Nintendo Direct where we're going to explain one aspect, then we're going to explain a small aspect at E3 and another, and it just seems like there's no real, everybody still wonders, you know, exactly what in the hell is going on with this thing. Um, and I kind of wish they would just put it out there and, you know, either people will like it or not, but this this kind of like little nuggets of information here and there are confusing, I think. 
but at at E3, Nintendo had one press conference and three additional media <laughs> events. And we still know almost something about this system, and we still know almost nothing about new games for the 3DS. Yeah. Well, and then a week later or so, they have more uh, announcements. Yeah. Well, or even the, the whole 3DS game showcase, or whatever it was at E3. I mean, it, the entire time was spent, as far as I could tell, talking about games that had already been announced and shown. I mean... It was, I don't know. I felt like you couldn't throw out a couple bones to show people new games that will be coming out or talk about Fire Emblem or talk about, I don't know. I, well, I, speaking of Fire Emblem, because we're going to get that next, <laughs> that was like the one big surprise and Reggie announced it, but he announced it completely by mistake. <laughs> and that's ridiculous. So so supposedly the, the story goes that he thought it had already been announced. <laughs> so when a journalist, I think from IGN, asked him about it, or maybe it was Joystick, I don't know. But they asked him, and he's like, oh, yeah, we already announced that. And the journalist was like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? And he's like, yeah, it's in our press materials. But it was not. So he, he mistakenly announced Fire Emblem Awakening for North America. It is coming out next year. And... um you know, we were going to talk about some like the, the niche year, thus our name, and some of the niche year games <laughs> that were at E3, and I think this is a perfect start. Um, are, are either of you excited for this at all? Um, yeah. As the podcast goes uh, silent. Uh, for Fire Emblem, right? Oh, I mean, I've never played a Fire Emblem yes. game myself, which I know is bad, but um, I, I've been hearing a lot of people say that it's quite good, and I'm always up for more games for the 3DS, so it's definitely something I'll pick out when it comes out next year. <laughs> well, see, you know, I've never really big been big into the Fire Emblem series, but there's kind of two reasons why I'm interested in this. The first is... It's 3DS, and right now I don't still have a lot of 3DS games to to really play yet. But and I don't know if this has been through the entire series, but there's, there's this whole like marriage aspect to the game. Oh yeah, right. Where you where you can like, and I, I don't want to say anyone because it's not anyone, but you have like this huge roster of characters you can pick from to get married to. It's not like you know two or three choices, and then maybe I think your children go on and you become the children or something. I don't know. But that whole aspect kind of makes makes me interested. Like when they when they do little... Because I guess I don't think about things like that being in strategy games so much. So when they have unique little twists like that, I find them interesting. Yeah. Um, by the way, I should add that I'm, I've, I'm very interested in it, but I'm like Anne. I've actually never played... A Fire Emblem game, which I'm sure I, you know, I lose cred for. But um... so all three of us have never played. Oh, Fire I thought Emblem. you said you yeah, had. Well, you wanted... <laughs> no. Like I've read about all of them, and I think all of the portable ones. I just I didn't really like the aesthetics of, and I don't know why I didn't play the GameCube or Wii ones. But I really like how this one looks, and I like the various aspects of it, and it's portable. So count me in. So when people complain that Nintendo aren't bringing out these games fast enough in English, it's like our fault we never bought them. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, maybe a game that some of us have played is Harvest Moon. And at E3, they have, and I, this is going to shock you, they have yet another new Harvest Moon <laughs> game. They actually had a wall there showing off all the Harvest Moon games. 
And I swear there was like fifty some games in the world. <laughs> wow. I'm sure. I, I, I took a photo of it. it like it was it was re- like all the way to the ceiling, just like Harvest Moon, as far as I could see. Um, but in 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 at E3 they had Harvest Moon: A New Beginning, which is also for the 3DS. And it is, as its name would imply, a supposedly new beginning to the series. And one of the interesting things now is you can actually customize your your farm boy or farm girl. So you could actually have like non-white farmers now, which is is a shocking <laughs> change to the series. That that ethnicity can finally be represented in this game. <laughs> So, so because all the graphics now are are, are are 3D, of course, and and but you start off with basically a character creator where you can create your own farmer, and then what's interesting is the entire game kind of lets you um, rebuild the sections. So when you're making your farm, before of course you could say I want to put crops here or or this there, but now you can every single aspect of your farm you can you can move around and reposition and stuff but you can also do that to the town which kind of brings up some very strange situations <laughs> because one of the examples i was given was he's like let's say you're there's a a a girl that has caught your eye in town you know and you're you're trying to woo her well now you could pick up her house and literally make her the girl next door to, to make it easier for you to go, you know. And it's just like it's it's almost this weird like playing God kind of aspect that has been added to Harvest Moon now, and it feels kind of strange. <laughs> um, so, are, are, do either of you are you into the Harvest Moon series at all? I am for sure. I know, Anne. yeah, yeah. Anne oh man, is. I recently only recently got into it. Um, I've got tree of tranquility for the wii that i picked up maybe two months ago and that was my first harvest moon game and now i'm like obsessed with it and i got the the (laughs) game boy advance one um friends of mineral town i bought the japanese version just so i could play it on my new game boy micro and um yeah i'm really excited (laughs) for it uh since i don't really have the same history with the series that a lot of people do um I, you know, that when they say that it's going to be a new beginning, it just seems kind of like the whole thing is new to me. So I don't really get that feeling, you know, I'm not like, oh, they're changing everything and it's going to be so exciting and new. But, you know, (laughs) I'm still really excited to have a a 3D Harvest Moon and I like the customization, even though it is a little creepy. But, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, I just want to play more Harvest Moon. So I'm up for anything, really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so as as somebody who's new to the series, let me ask you because, you know, I I started on the original game back on the mm-hmm. Super Nintendo, um, and I've played various iterations from there, like because there are just so many versions of Harvest Moon out there. Like when you decided to start trying this series, how did you know where to start? Yeah, that was a that was really tough. Um, I remember asking some people on Twitter, and everybody gave me a different answer of which one was like the best. You know, <laughs> if you're gonna play one Harvest Moon game, you had to play this game, and everybody likes certain ones. And actually, what made the decision for me was I found a copy of Tree 
Tree of Tranquility brand new for only $5 at the store. And I said, well, there you go. Oh. I guess this is going to be my first Harvest Moon game. <laughs> so, and I, I do quite like it. And a lot of, I've had some people say that they think it's really good. And, you know, I don't know if that means anything. But uh, So I don't really know how it stacks up compared to the other ones. But... I found the gameplay was really fun. Uh, admittedly, the graphics are like, they kind of look like muddy water and, you know, the, the, all the colors are like kind of muted. So it's sort of ugly, <laughs> but but the playing it is a lot of fun. So that I really get into, you know, watering my crops every morning and seeing it, you know, how many hours in the day things I can fit in. Like, I didn't know that if you don't go to sleep at night you actually get sick and then you walk around like really really slow so i would like stay out all night mining wow. and then in the morning you know i would get sick and yeah but it's fun finding all that stuff out for the first time you know just playing around with it you know harvest moon's kind of a strange series because i think they're they're kind of stuck in a way because there's like there's only so much i think you can do to change up the game before it's not Harvest Moon anymore. Right. And with all the versions that have come out, I, I have kind of felt over time that just like, you're kind of asking like, what, well, what is this new version doing that's making it, you know, uh, justify its existence? And so, so it is kind of hard because there are just so many Harvest Moon games and it, it's, it's so hard to say, well, you know, I should start here, I should start there. And even though this is called A New Beginning, it does have these new aspects of, of customization and you can now plant uh, like non-edible crops. Like you can plant cotton and things like that. And then you can use the cotton to like make yourself outfits and, and, and things. So I think they're doing some interesting uh, ideas in that regard in the game. But it is after a while, it's just kind of like, you know, what more can you do with this series? And maybe... Maybe you can't. You know, it's one of those series where you wonder if it's just kind of reached its limit to what you can do, or if it there is something really interesting and a, a big next step that could be taken at a certain mm -hmm. point. Yeah. Um. What else was there at? Oh, so <clears throat> sorry. Uh, Natsumi also was talking about Project Happiness, which is actually from the creator of the original Harvest Moon. And it's it's very interesting because this game looks very, very much like Harvest Moon. <laughs> except instead of being a farmer, you have your own store. And people in town will be doing the farming for you, and then you basically sell their goods. Or people will be doing mi the mining for you, and you'll be selling whatever they bring to you or whatever they make. So it's it's almost kind of in, instead of doing the farming side, you're doing the retail side. But it it it's in it looked very much like Harvest Moon. So did did either of you did was there anything about this game that you heard or, <laughs> or got you interested at all? I really I liked the looks of it, and I feel like I just need to know more about it. You know, I mean. It was hard to tell from the trailer as to exactly how it was going to play, I think. Yes. So I thought it looked really cute. Maybe a little too much like a Facebook game or something. I'm, I just want to see the final product and see how it plays. I'm interested, but I'm not I, sold on it yet. <laughs> I was just going to make that Facebook comment. 
yeah. that's kind of unfortunate because I, I kind of I kind of asked um, I, I don't remember his name, but also the 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 kind of president of Natsume, uh, America was in there as well. I don't, I don't know if America or Natsume period, but he was in there as well in the interview I did, and I asked um, them, you know, I was like, so like. You know, what do you guys really think of, of, of Farmville? You know, or did that piss you off? You know, or are you upset how popular that game got? You know, when Harvest Moon was here first, and it's kind of funny if you know this Project Happiness comes out and it kind of looks like that Facebook game. <laughs> it just seems very strange to me the way that's all worked out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, like they they made a really big deal about this announcement at E3 and and. and you know, I I'm I I want to see more. I'm very curious about it. But it was just it was kind of strange that they were like, oh, you know, he's 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 making a super huge announcement about Project Happiness and everything, and then it was kind of like, yeah, it's like Harvest Moon, but you're you're <laughs> have a shop <laughs> instead of farming. Uh, were were there any other games that really caught your eye at E3? Either one of you? I. I- like on the on the nichier side. Yeah, I have to say I was so excited that they announced. Well, they didn't really announce it, or did they? Tokyo Jungle. I mean, it was on the show floor in English, but I didn't really catch that there was an official announcement in the press conference or everything. Yes, it, it's it, it's, it's so, official. Well, it, it's official. Yeah, coming right. Over. Okay, yes. so that that was all I wanted to know. You know, uh, I when I when I heard <laughs> the you know, the funny thing was a lot of these sites that I was checking to get the news from, then nobody really covered it, and I was like, where well, I want to see you know gameplay demos, I want to hear people writing about it, and I didn't see much, but that. That was like E3 for me, was Tokyo Jungle. <laughs> I was actually considering importing it, but now that I know they're going to be bringing it over, I'll just wait. So at least Sony can get, you know, Sony American can get my money rather than Japan. Not that I have anything against Japan, but we need <laughs> to show them, you know, that we'll buy games like that. So. Well, it's funny because I looked around and I could not find this game really? to show at all. Uh. <laughs> yes. So I have no idea where it was being shown hmm. at. Um, but so okay, so 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 Anne, what what is Tokyo Jungle? Um, from what I understand, Tokyo Jungle is a game where uh, you start out actually as a Chihuahua, and you you're this Chihuahua, and you wake up, and you know your owners are gone, and the the apartment you live in is like a total wreck, and some kind of apocalyptic event has happened and all of the humans have just disappeared and nobody, none of the animals know what's going on. But so then you venture out into the world of Tokyo and it's um, overrun with all these different animals trying, just trying to survive. So it's kind of, I guess it's a survival game and you know, the, the main sort of gameplay element is finding food and making sure your hunger doesn't get too low or you'll just die. And then the other kind of big element is reproducing, so you have to find females of your species and then, you know, make more generations, is my impression. And then, of course, you get to play as all these different awesome animals, so. And and you can put uh, sneakers in the backward cap on a dog. Or <laughs> also can, very important. Uh, <laughs> you can put a schoolgirl uniform on a cow. <laughs> it is, it looks like just, I mean... This is one of those games where you're just like, this is why I love Japan, because only Japan <laughs> could come up with a game like this. I agree. So I, I'm, I'm very, yeah, I'm very excited that this is coming over. Um, uh, Brian, was there anything else that you were, you were excited about coming out of E3? I know, I'm drawing a blank now. I mean, I agree with, <laughs> with that game. I'm just excited. I, you know, 
I there's a part of me that wishes it would be physically released, but I know that that's stupid and it wouldn't work. So digital is fine. Um, I can't remember. I'm all for any, you know, really Japanese game coming out. <laughs> it's it's interesting because, you know, I I think that the niche games are kind of getting less and less. Eddie three, yeah. Days. Um, they they still exist, and we still do have these wonderful things where you say, okay, T- Tokyo Jungle has been announced, or uh, you know, Project Diva F mysteriously shows up for the Vita with English demo at, at E3, you know, or, you know, games like Project Happiness get announced. So there are still these, these niche things to E3. It's just they're getting less and less, and the big games are are taking up more of the spotlight, but I think there's always going to be those games hidden away at the show. Yeah. In one way or another. But one of the biggest announcements, I think, actually came post-E3 as far as I think what what we what people like us might care about. <laughs> uh, and that is the 3DS XL. Oh yeah. So how 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 were your reactions to this announcement? Oh, I just remember I was actually kind of live tweeting this for VGW. I was watching the Japanese presentation and, you know, tweeting what they were saying and talking about it. And all of a sudden, he, Iwata comes up and he says, you know, and now I have some big announcement for you all. And this, <laughs> this 3DS LL, as it's called in Japan, comes on the screen. And I was just like, what? Like, really? <laughs> I just had, I, I didn't even fathom that, that, that I couldn't even fathom that that was going to be an announcement. You know, I didn't even think something like a redesign for the 3DS would come for at least another year. Um, just given the fact that this year I thought was a, supposed to be about the Wii U, you know, and then all of a sudden they say, oh, we have this console, and then it's coming <laughs> out in, you know, the end of July in Japan. So it's like it, it's so soon. It just was very startling, I think. Well, I think what was interesting was the fact that so. When the DS Lite was announced, the kind of idea for the DS Lite was to make it cheaper, smaller, and more mm-hmm. mainstream. And that's almost kind of like the opposite of what this <laughs> announcement was. You know, it's it's bigger, it's more expensive, and it may or may not be more mainstream. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But so 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 Brian, would will you run out and replace your 3DS with a 3DS XL? No. 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 I, I like I really think they should have done another intermediary step. That's what I would have wished. Like there are some things I don't like about my three DS. You know, they could have evened out the design a little bit or something that I would actually be more interested in that than I might still buy one eventually, but Well so so what what would you have preferred to have seen? I don't I just feel like I like the 3DS a lot, but I think it's actually fairly ugly. So, um, it's kind of ugly. Well, I mean, you know, like you look at the DS Lite and the DSi, and they were so sleek and, I don't know if elegant is the right word, but there are just things about the 3DS with like the three-tiered design and the overbite. and. Did, did, did you call it an ice cream sandwich? I, I've is seen, that... well, that's not my description. I've seen okay. that. But yeah, I mean, it is. I just don't personally... I'm anal about stuff like that. I'm like, God, is that ugly? And so 
I would have, you know, if they just smoothed it out and made it look more like a DSi or something, I would love it. I would have been perfectly fine with that. Um, but I do like, I mean, I will say seeing the thing in motion um, and seeing the, I like the, um, seeing it opened up, I like the inside of it. It's just the, when it's closed, it does look kind of cheap and huge and they have ugly oh. colors and yes, I don't know. Well, let, let me see if I can convince you to, because I will give you some of the, re the responses that have come out <laughs> for people who have tried it. Uh, the screen is huge, they say. The, the top screen is now almost as big as the Vita. Um, much better viewing angle. Uh, the 3D effects look better. Uh, they're more effective and more natural. Uh, 2D mode looks better than the regular 3DS. Uh, images look better slash softer, whatever that might mean. Uh, the grip uh, feels good. Uh, the unit fits better in your hands than you would expect. The unit is lighter than you would expect. Uh, there's a coat coating on the unit. Uh, not, it's not full matte. Uh, that gives it a deluxe plastic imitating metal look. <laughs> that's good or bad. Um, and they were saying that one of the really interesting things is that so on the 3DS, if you're playing old DS games, you can run them in original resolution mode or uh, upscaled for screen mode. But the thing now is if you run DS games in original resolution mode, because the screens are bigger, you're actually, I don't know if it's almost exactly the same as the old school DS screen size. So basically DS games are going to look much better on this because of having the bigger screens. So you can run it in original DS resolution mode, but not have the screens be tiny like they are on the current 3DS. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you've convinced us. Oh, <laughs> well, I was sure that. Well, what about you? Are you interested in it at all? I know you picked up yeah. your 3DS relatively recently, right? I I not even considering until we get a pink 3DS. <laughs> not Me even too. considering. Me, actually, the, and if they bring out a pink, if it's pink with a black inside, I'm going to murder someone. That's all I'm saying right now. It better be all pink. <laughs> now, see, you know, you know what? Because the original, like my, still my favorite color from Nintendo is the original DS Fat. Yes. That was the pink and white together. Yeah, but it was. I love that. It I do too, so actually. And I'm, I'm going to get one of those soon. I'm telling you that right now. Um, I still have mine. But. I feel like that worked better. That two, t I, like the black and white is better than the black and or the pink and white is better than the pink and black. I don't know. I just have to see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. No. Yeah. I I did not like the pink and black we got in America. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But you know, like, why can't we have? I don't know. Like, I, I wish they would go back to two tones and make them look good. Two tone. Like, I, I guess they kind of are with this because they're doing like the the black and red and black and blue. Uh. For our American version to the XL, which I'm not interested in what's, you know, one bit, but uh, I don't know. You know, it, the thing is so ugly, I think. <laughs> like, it just, it looks, I mean, I'm not saying the current 3DS looks great because it does look like you've kind of slapped like three different things together and called it a system. And they're like the home button. I hate that yeah. row of buttons. They're so terrible. But yeah. just this this thing looks like really cheap in comparison. And the fact that there is not a second analog 
on it. I, I understand why they probably didn't do that. But it seems it's it seems so Nintendo to bring out that add-on analog pad and then just not <laughs> do anything with it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, and hey, they're leaving themselves open to another iteration down the road, I'm sure. If that, I mean, I, I really don't think they'll ever put another circle pad on it, but no, I don't think this is the last revision they're going to release either. So no, um, although it's going to be like, what is the next one going to be smaller? Wouldn't that be kind of strange? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. What, it just seems weird. But yeah, I, it'll it'll go back to yeah, it'll go back to like three DS size. Well, I'm it probably will. Mm. I don't know. I'm all for making things smaller, though. I, I name-dropped it earlier, but I just bought the Game Boy Micro, and I, like, love it. I know a lot of people think it's really too tiny, but, you know, if it's portable, I really want it to be small and compact and light, and I don't I don't really want my yeah. 3DS to be any bigger than it is. I know that the screen might be nice, <laughs> and I have a Vita, and I like that, but... It's still even the Vita is a bit big, even though the screen is nice. You know, if I want to look at something on a nice big screen, then I'll use my TV. You know, so I don't really like the bigger is better idea. You know, I, I really like, as much as I love that big Vita screen, I think the PSPs is much more the size I prefer. I think the Vita is just a little bit too big. I can understand that. Yeah. But at the same time, that Game Boy Micro is tiny. <laughs> it is, it is. I have to put it very close to my face to be able to read it. But <laughs> Yes. I think I owned one for like six hours. <laughs> and then I took it back. Really? Yeah, I, I, I kind of regret it now. Like, I wish I kind of would have kept it. Because I, I got it for, like, I think, $50, brand new. At, like, it was at the point when, like, the, the Micro was being clearanced out. Oh, yeah. And then I think I took it back and was like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just don't like it. So they returned it. Yeah, I mean, you'd be... I, I think I'm going to keep... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say you'd be lucky to get, you know, a used one for $50 now. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what you should keep <laughs> in gaming. That's the bad part. Um, So E3, any final thoughts? Any Any, like... I don't know. Um, kind of just if if I think we all kind of felt like this this show was just kind of like meh. Yeah. Yes. And I I think that like next year is when all the excitement's going to come. Maybe maybe not maybe you know because of all the the new systems maybe not everybody will be excited by those but I think this year really felt just like a industry an industry that was just waiting for something. That hadn't come yet. Yeah. So we are now going to move on to a section that we call cheerleading. And the idea behind this is a lot of podcasts do the kind of uh, what we've played or game recommendations kind of thing. The idea behind this was more let's let's pick games that really deserve to be talked about or deserve to have more people play them or, you know, deserve to get more attention or, or things like that, you know, kind of like literally cheerleading for a game uh, that we feel is deserving of that. 
And because she's on the show notes first, Anna's oh, going to Oh, really? <laughs> Lovely. Yes. Well. So, Anne, what, what, what game would you like to pick um, today? Well, I thought uh, I'd start with a game called Folklore for the PS3. And, yes. well, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have actually heard of this one, but I would hazard a guess that not as many people have played it. Um, it kind of got mediocre reviews when it came out, and I can understand, I can understand where they came from, but, um, yeah, I've been kind of, you know, searching, always searching for new RPGs to play, and, uh, you know, there haven't really been that many outstanding RPGs on this generation, you know, on the PS3 or the Xbox, oh, I don't have an Xbox, so PS3, let's stick to the PS3, but, um, so anytime there's, you know, a new RPG, this particularly Japanese RPG that comes out for the PS3, I think, you know, I gotta check that out. And I think Folklore is pretty special because um, its atmosphere is very different from a lot of games that we have seen in recent years. It has a very dark tone, and it takes place in Ireland, so it's got this sort of celtic influence in the in the art and the music as well the music is very good and there's a lot of violins and sort of yeah this celtic -y sort of soundtrack um and it's steeped in fairy tale folklore so you actually go around collecting fairies to help you fight and um there are maybe five or six different realms that you travel to that all have their different folk is what they refer to the fairies as in the game and so you collect these folk to do battle with you and it's more of an action RPG but um I just really love the atmosphere and the story is very interesting it's sort of like this dark murder mystery for a lot of the game and it's not it never really gets into the realm of like near levels of, you know, dark angstiness, but it does have this sort of dark underlying tone to it that I appreciate. I think more games really need to have more Celtic influence. There's not so many games with that these days. This is actually one of the very first games I bought from my Oh, PC. really? And, and I think at this point, I've played like two hours. Oh, <laughs> that makes me so sad. <laughs> I know, but it, the game is the game is so beautiful. It is so pretty. Like just the use of the colors and the visual style and everything, and it seemed really fun. It's just that, like, I think unfortunately I got Uncharted <laughs> sometime, and just Nathan Drake, he he stole me away and would not let me get back to, to <laughs> folklore. And by the time I was done with Uncharted, I had something else to come along, and I just kind of never got back to it. And I really, really need to, mm. but. Yeah, you definitely should. It, it does, as I said, it, it has some issues. I think the biggest one being that you have to play as two characters. There's Keats and Ellen. And you have to play through the game as each of them. So you'll select one of them for each chapter. There are maybe six or seven chapters in the game. And you'll play through as one of them. You get to the end of that chapter. And then you have to go back and replay the chapter as the other character. And it's not 100% exactly the same. Uh, in terms of you'll see like different angles of the story you know you'll see it from their point of view so there might be a conversation that you know Keats had with some character that Ellen never saw but in terms of the levels themselves they're the exact same level 
just some of the folk that you find are different. But replaying those levels over and over again gets a bit tedious, I have to say. So it's a bit of a grind getting to the <laughs> end of the game. But it, I think it's worth it in the end. Yeah, it's a, yeah I, I, had, I had heard that, that argument against it. Um, but it does really seem like it's like one of those... It's one of those great kind of like early system games when companies are still just trying anything, yeah. you know? Because... Uh, rules haven't been established for what people want on that console yet. Yeah, I would... And so I always, I always really appreciate it. Yeah, I would that. say that um, actually Folklore is the best game that I've played that uses the six-axis function of the PS3 controller. As many yeah. as there are out <laughs> Yeah, <there>. so many. <laughs> but um, it, it, so when you, you fight the folk in the levels and you, you know, damage them enough and they'll start, like, shining, like, their spirit will be, like, kind of floating, like, they'll be having an out-of-body experience. And you actually push a button to lasso their spirit and you then you use the six-axis controls to pull that spirit around so that you can absorb it from them. So you might have to lift the controller up or down, or sometimes you have to shake it left and right. Like, so you have all these different ways that you have to catch the different folk, which is pretty interesting, but can also be very frustrating. But for the most part, it works pretty well. Great. Um, is there any other games you want to talk about, or should we I move think on? for today, I'll stick with that one. So folklore for PS3 uh, by the sadly departed Game Republic, who are around no more, <laughs> yeah. and who also created. Um, uh, I have their uh, Majin in the Forsaken Kingdom. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, that I one looks pretty good as well. Uh, Brian. Yes. Do you have a pick? Yes, um, I am going with. A game that I've written about quite a few times, I feel like, over the years, uh, called Order Up for the Wii. And I think it was a fairly early release. I can't honestly remember anymore. But um, And it's totally a game that I would normally not even look at. It's American-made. <laughs> and uh, Those, those, those <laughs> barbaric those Westerners barbaric. making their games. And, and, you know, it's like put out by Zoo Games or some, you know, maker of probably generally uh, throwaway games that, you know, I don't know. I just normally wouldn't look at it, but I like food games or cooking games. And um, I don't know. I actually just feel like it, it uses, it has a very um, cute, interesting art style, has a good sense of humor. Um, it actually uses the Wii remote fairly well for such especially for such an early game um it doesn't usually frustrate you to do the different things and I, I guess i should probably say what it is you are put in charge of of running various restaurants starting with i think a fast food joint and moving up from there um and you take orders from people and you know your view is generally of the kitchen and you're kind of flipping burgers and dunking fries into the vat of hot oil and cutting up onions um so anyway i mean it just it really appealed to me it's like a 19 dollar game or it was when i bought it um i just thought it was kind of a good use of the remote and um kind of a cute time waster 
for people looking for something different. You know, I think part of its problem was that there was just this big, huge glut of kind of the um, Diner Dash type games. Yeah. Where you had like Diner Dash or you had... You're working at a salon, or you're working at a cake shop, or you're <laughs> at a bakery, you're working at a shoe store. And it's always kind of like just the the manage the customers that are in the shop at one time. Yeah. And this game really, it has that, but it also kind of has that whole Cookie Mama style yeah. cooking segments. And so it's actually a deeper game. But I, I always felt like this game kind of got... We very easily got mixed in with the Diner Dash kind of stuff. Yep. And I think it got overshadowed by Cooking Mama. I mean, that, absolutely. which I feel this is a much better game in my opinion. If um, I just never have really... I like the aesthetics of Cooking Mama, but I don't actually like playing the games at all. And this one just seems more fun and you're kind of... It's not like... Um, you're. It's not a mini game after mini game after mini game. It's actually all... Each entire scene is put together so that you are jumping back and forth between different tasks. So um, there's a little bit more time management involved. And I don't know. Um, but Cookie Mama is kind of weird. Cookie Mama, in a way, reminds me of a lot of the like the game show games that come out. Where, like, let's say, um, uh, Deal or No Deal, right? Yeah. Where do you know the deal? The whole point is, you know, oh, you you, you take these chances to get the million dollars, and you're you're playing the game, and you do all that, and you get to the end, and you get the million dollars, and you're like, I haven't really gained anything. <laughs> From my experience, I gained nothing. It's not really a game, but I'm not getting any money. And so, like, Cooking Mama in a way is kind of like that, where it's it's this really like weird non-game yes. kind of thing. <laughs> And you're having fun cooking, but at the end of the time, you 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 don't you, you don't have any real food sitting there, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it's not really a game because there's not really like serious lose conditions or. or... <laughs> so, so yeah, I can understand that. And yeah, I said I I played some of this, um, and it was actually I said I I thought it was a pretty cool game, but it, it it's a game that it's very easy. If you've become jaded on all of just the shovelware that's come out over the years, yeah you would instantly pass this by because it just seems like another one of those kind of games. Yeah. And and let's be honest too, it's not like it's this game that you're going to play, you know, twice a year for the rest of your life. I mean, you're like going right. to spend so much time. I think I've played through it once and I quite enjoyed it. I'll probably rarely, if ever, go back to it again. But I liked it. Although I will say one thing, there's a 3DS version out and I don't remember if it's an exact remake or, um, you know, an addition I've played the demo and it's okay, but I think the Wii version is better. Like the not being able to, you know, looking at the top screen and then having to do everything on the bottom screen is actually somewhat awkward. So I prefer the Wii version. But and you know what? There is a free version really? on, on on iOS. Huh. Uh. So you can at least try it and see if the idea is compelling to you at all. Well, that's interesting. And then you can move on to the Weaver. <laughs> um, were you going to do another game, or is that? I think that's good. Satisfactory. <laughs> I'll save the other one for next time. We, I, I am, I am not. See, you. Before this podcast started, Brian was like, "Oh, there's actually another game I want to do, so I might <laughs> put this order up with that." Now he didn't, and now neither Anne or I know what that game was. Right. 
So now we're just in anticipation. <laughs> it's not that amazing. Okay. <laughs> well, I want to do Monster World Collection. Oh. Uh, this came out recently for both the Xbox Live Arcade and PlayStation Network. And Monster World, of course, is the uh, series that first started as Wonder Boy by Westone. And uh, for people who are really old school, you might also know Wonder Boy as uh, Adventure Island because that was the NES version of, of what was Wonder Boy. Uh, but after a while, Wonder Boy came, became uh, more of an adventure kind of game more exploration, a few little RPG elements added to it, so it became the Monster World series. And this collection has three games. It has Wonder Boy in Monster Land, and that's the arcade version of the game, and that is a um, a kind of simpler side-scrolling, uh, it's a very arcade-y, uh, you got a time limit on everything, so you're kind of trying to get through each stage quickly, um, sword and a shield, and you can kind of upgrade your equipment and stuff. So it's kind of like an action-adventure game. I said, again, very, very arcade uh, But the next game was Wonder Boy and Monster World, which came out on the Genesis. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't ever like the comparisons to Zelda, because it's not really a Zelda game. But, you know, for people who were Genesis owners, there was kind of this, this desire to find our Zelda so you had games like Land Soccer come out. That was kind of Zelda-ish. Uh, and you had games like Wonder Boy and Monster World where it was side-scrolling. So it wasn't quite as, you know, Zelda as you typically think about it at that area, in, the, in, the, in, the, in that era. But it had a lot of adventure elements to it, a lot of exploration, a lot of uh, getting powers and then going back to previously explored areas and now going down new routes. Um, the game was just so, so good. And I, I actually got this back in the day on the Genesis and it was wonderful. And it, it looked just had this, this such a charming, cute, colorful visual style to it. Um, compared to a lot of other Genesis games. And even to this day, it still looks very good. But I think the, the crowning addition to this collection is Monster World 4. And Monster World 4 was was the final game in the Monster World series. And it kind of took a lot of the things that Wonder Boy and Monster World had and um, added on to them or expanded on them. A few things got kind of simplified. but uh, And they added this female main character named Asha. And the whole setting was kind of Middle Eastern or Arabian, I guess I should say. Um, but the thing is, is that Monster World 4 came out, like, very late in the Genesis era. And it came out in Japan, but it never made it to America. And so 18-some years go by, and this is the first time Monster World 4 has ever been officially released in English. Wow. And this is one of those games where, you know, for those of us who, who, who love the older systems and were around for the older systems, and... You, you later on find out about all these great games that got stuck in Japan. This was one of the, the, the top games for Genesis that got stuck in Japan. And Sega finally brought it out over here. And uh, M2 is a developer for this collection. And they are masters of emulation. And the 
emulation they have going on for all three games in, in this package is just top-notch. You have this wide array of, of options that you can pick from, down to the point of you can, you can play the original Japanese versions of the game. So even, like, uh, they recently released um, a Streets of Rage collection. And the original Streets of Rage 3, when we got it in America, it was censored over the Japanese version. And so in that collection, for example, you can actually pick between the original uncensored Japanese version and the censored American version. Huh. Uh, so these collections, like, like Sega's uh, done a lot of retro collections, and unfortunately sometimes those collections have been pretty poor, uh, especially when they use companies like Backbone. Um, but this stuff by M2 they've released recently is just absolutely fantastic. And the Monster World Collection is really, really good. And even though these are three completely classic retro 16-bit side-scrolling action adventure games, uh, all three are still completely fun to this day. And, you know, if, if you have no appreciation whatsoever for retro games, you won't like them. But if you do have any appreciation at all, these these games are still good. And the only thing I would say was if you have both consoles... On the PS3, you can buy the game separately, but you can only buy, I think it's Wonder Boy and Monster World and Monster World 4, and they're $5 each. But on the Xbox, if you pay $10 for the collection, you get all three games. So it's kind of weird. It's like if you're a PS3 owner, you're almost kind of being punished. Huh. And for $10, you're only getting two games. On the PS or on the Xbox, you get all three for ten dollars so if you have the choice absolutely positively go for the the xbox version now the one argument i've heard is that on the ps3 each game has their own trophies and to me personally that makes no that i don't care whatsoever you know i'd rather have the extra game for for free versus trophies for both games uh but so seriously these games are just so so good and it's it's nice to finally get the chance to play uh, Monster World Collection in English after all this time. Are, are either of you do yeah, any, well, either of you know awesome. anything at all about the Monster World series? I, I yes, I I have never played the fourth one. I've always wanted to, so I'll definitely be buying it. But I love the yeah. See now, now you can yeah, in English, yeah, and or I, in Japanese. It, you, you could you know what you could do? <laughs> you could be so hardcore that you could buy this, but then set it back to being Japanese. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you're like, no, nah, you know what? I don't care. I waited 18 years. Screw, screw your English <laughs> translation. I don't need that. Didn't I just tell you that before the podcast that I, or may no, I think I was going to, and I was interrupted, but, um, I don't have any patience for playing through Japanese RPGs anymore. So that would be a no, no, but so, at, so, so at all, even in English. No. Oh no. I mean, in okay. Japanese, like I used to not mind fumbling my way through it when I was a kid, but it's harder now, so I just wait for him to come out in English. I guess if I'm, like, absolutely, if I have to, I will try. But I don't mind playing, you know, other games in Japanese. But anyway. Well, so the, converse, the conversation we were having <laughs> was that Brian was kind of saying the fact that, that, that he hated when, when, when the white man takes <laughs> Japan's <laughs> cultural significant games and, and puts in the barbaric English language into them and races them in other countries. Yes. So he, he will only buy games... <laughs> That have the, the the purity and the spirit intact of Japan, and, and only p- 
pick up the Japanese games, and not only only pick up Japanese games, but but games that have never come to the West. <laughs> because if they have come to the West, then they're tainted. Yes, at that point. they're definitely tainted. No, I not 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 quite that strict, <laughs> but um, so we are going to move on to our our final segment of the show, and that is the nichiest of them all, and this is a, a kind of a a, a game. Of sorts, if you will, where on every episode, which if we never make more than this one, it'll be this one episode. <laughs> um, each of us three hosts is going to try to stump the other two hosts with a game. And the way today's game is going to work is the three of us, one at a time, are going to say the name of a game. It has to be a game that we've owned or have played at least to some significant degree in the past. It has to be a game that we is actually worth playing and that we would actually care about. So it can't be like throwaway shovelware. Uh, and it has to have come out in North America. So those are the rules for, for the game today. So I'm going to start. So I'll, I'll say my, 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 the name of my game. And uh, if Brian and Anne know it, they have to just keep quiet for a minute. Because if they don't, they have to tell me what they think this game was. So, now before I say this name, remember, <laughs> this is a game that, that I am saying that had some value to it. <laughs> because as soon as you hear the name, you're going to think certain things. That's why I'm preparing you. <clears throat> so the name of my game that I'm holding in my little hands right now is for the PS1. And it's called Superstar Dance Club Number One Hits <laughs> with three with three exclamation oh, points. Oh, even at the better! End. <laughs> so, so first of all, do either of you know this game? No. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, that was that was a no. <laughs> Sorry, didn't I'll come through? Yes, definitely no. <laughs> okay, so then then you have to tell me what you think this game is. Wait, no, will you say the title again? Sure. <laughs> I, I will happily do so. <laughs> Superstar Dance Club, number one hits, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, well, see, so this is, a, to me, this implies that it's not something as straightforward as I would think it would be. Yeah, that is exactly true. <laughs> And it actually is a game. It's not just music. No, it is a game. It is a disc that you put in and a game oh plays God. after doing so. And no cheating, by the way, on no, Google or no. anything. No. Well. So it's not a. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I would say just from the title that it'd be some kind of Dance Dance Revolution spinoff. Maybe like the u.s made version that uses like u.s techno songs or something okay i, I will tell you it's 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 a japanese oh. game. <laughs> <laughs> that changes <Yeah>. everything <laughs> you know what i would love to know you probably don't well you probably do know this actually like if the was the name totally changed when it was brought to the United States? I'm guessing it was. I will ninety nine point nine percent guarantee that. Because the then was... it's probably like some kind of dating game, or um, ooh, I, I can't even imagine. 
I wanted to say it was some kind of like Grand Theft Auto clone where you're going into <laughs> dance clubs and shooting wow. up disco dancers or something, but I know that's not the case. <laughs> so, 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 Anne, do, do you give up or do you have any other guesses? Uh, not, well, I guess now, knowing that it was originally a Japanese game and the title was changed, hmm. I feel like, yeah, then this might be a case of the U.S. publisher trying to market it in a certain way, like, mm, yeah, taking an aspect of it. So maybe the dancing isn't actually, you know, a main focus of the game, but it's a part of the game. Like Brian mentioned, like a, a dating sim game where, you know, you have all these different activities and maybe dancing is one of them, but they're like, oh, well, you know, girls like dancing, so we're going to try to sell this to girls. <laughs> But I can't even I can't even fathom what kind of game it really is. <laughs> okay, then I I, I I am afraid that both of you are uh, completely wrong in, in your guesses. Um, this is, as far as I know, the only time that a game based on the Japanese para para style of oh. dancing has ever come out <laughs> in America. So so this so for any of you who don't know, Para Para is this. I, uh, wow, I don't know how to explain it. It's it's if if you think line dancing um, uh, ridicules the idea of dance, uh, it has nothing on Para Para. Like like so, Anne, I, I kind of take it you you're familiar oh, yeah, with Para yeah. Para, to some degree. Brian, no, do you know I, it all? No, I have no idea. So it's it's this very it's this very very Japanese thing where they actually it's um, most of the music is is Eurobeat, and they make these very choreographed routines to each song. So each song has a very specific dance that you do to it, and you'll see like <laughs> back when Para Para was big, you would see like entire groups of 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 girls do these dances, and they would all be in sync doing the exact same hand moves the exact same footwork and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't even know like the original Japanese name for this game, but, but what it was, was it's, it's a kind of, uh, uh, hit the buttons in time with the beat, kind of a, a bust a groove or a, a a prop of the rapper or thing like that. So completely weird, just totally niche game from Japan that, never ever should have actually come over here because <laughs> nobody in this country knows what in the world para para is um except for me because i'm a total dork about para para and i was huge into it <laughs> so this like came out like in that very end time of the ps1 when when nobody just cared anymore <laughs> you know what games people were releasing and so you could get away with things like that uh so yes, Superstars, Super I'm sorry, Superstar Dance Club number 1 hits. Exclamation exclamation exclamation. <laughs> the only time I think we've ever gotten a Para Para game over here in English and and I bought it and I think it's like $10 or something like that. And it's terrible but also awesome at the exact same time. Okay, I was going to ask is it actually enjoyable? But I I I like it cuz I I really like the hit buttons in time with the beat kinds of games. So Huh. In that regard, it's a fun little game. <laughs> so we have Brian. Oh, no. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go in reverse order. Great. So, Brian, you're next. 
Well, let me just say that I don't. I don't think I will ever come up with a game as obscure <laughs> as that game. That's the, the entire reason I made this this game. Yeah, yeah. Was so I could win it with that game. So now I, I well, what I feel this is this will possibly. I don't. Anne might not know what this oh. game is, but <laughs> I'm sure you. Well, just because it's going back a little ways, it's um. So I can say the system. You are more than welcome to say system, yes. Okay, well, um, and this is all I could think of on, on this at this moment. And I will give the American name because it had three names. I don't know if you want to know them all. Um, it was for the Saturn called Blazing Heroes. Oh. Blazing Heroes. And I can say the, do you want to know the other names or is it just the North American? Sure. Yeah, give me the other names. Um, so in Europe, it was Mystaria. And okay. I don't know yeah. how to pronounce the Japanese. Uh, maybe Ryglord Saga. I've never known. And, and for the record, I actually owned the Japanese version. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't know Blazing Heroes was the English name. Hmm. Well... Maybe, maybe I honestly did have to look it up because, like I said, I own Ragalord Saga. I didn't own the North American version. Um, Wikipedia suggested that Blazing Heroes was the American name. I, you know what? I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Anne say what she thinks this is, and then I'll have a comment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. See, this is before my time, so I. <laughs> uh, well, it, yeah, I have to say it sounds like an RPG to me. Blazing Heroes, he said, right? Yeah. Yep. So it yes. sounds like, yeah, you know, ye old traditional RPG where you go save the kingdom. And, I, yeah, I've never heard of it, so I can't really <laughs> speculate any further. <laughs> but... <laughs> like, that's good. <laughs> Well, I know what it is, and I will say that it actually, I know because I own it, Yeah. it actually came out first in America as Mystaria. No. Yes, and there was a limited run of the game printed as that, and something happened where they reprinted the game under the new name Blazing Heroes. But it didn't come out in North America before Japan. I I don't know about that, but I will bet you that I have a back home. I have a copy of the English game huh. with the name Estaria on it. Huh. Because this came out when I was working at Game Fan. Huh. Well, that's... so what is what is what is what is Blazing Heroes then, Brian? Well, so it is a it's a tactical role playing game. It. At least from, I mean, God, I haven't played through it in years. I literally played through it when I, I owned a Japanese Saturn when I was a teenager. And I bought it because I thought it looked interesting. Um, it kind of plays like Shining Force, just a lot uglier. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was like a very early Saturn game with terrible three-dimensional graphics and fuzzy. But for some reason, I really liked the character art and... Um, you know, for an early Saturn game, it was easy enough to get excited about. But all I remember about it was that I played it like it was Shining Force, 
thinking that you all you had to do was like defeat all of the enemies on the field, and it's different in that there are sometimes there are different um, objectives you have to meet. So I would get totally lost and not know what the hell to do because at the time there weren't any, you know, FAQs on the internet or I, I don't even know if the internet was around at that point. But anyway. So that was a fun one. I'm sure, I think lots of people hate it. It was kind of a terrible game. <laughs> it wasn't great. No, it wasn't. But it was also one of those games where if you were a Saturn owner, you were really kind of starved for games, period. Yeah. So sometimes you were willing to put up with a lot just so you had something new to play through. <laughs> yeah. What, what color was your Saturn? Gray. It was the first one. Ah, you had the gray one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I got into import Saturns, I mean, import Saturn games, and I got, a, I got the, one of the white ones. Oh. Did you get a Switch on yours? No. No, I don't even know if you could, I don't even know if that was something people talked, I mean, it was literally after it came out in Japan, before it came out in the United States, I spent, I think I spent $600 Ooh. on the import. Can you, what an idiot. <laughs> But you know, no. Back then, we people did that though, because like uh, you know that they spent a lot of money on the PS One, the PS Two when they first came out. Yeah, I remember Dreamcast was big in that as well about ordering the import version and. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it was just funny because, um, like Saturn was the system where I really started getting into imports, and so I got one of the white Saturns and got the, the Switch on it. So that was like my first real. I mean, because I had a, one or two games here and there, like very, very rare, but I had a couple of games like import-wise, but the Saturn was the first console where I legitimately got into picking up import games as well as huh. um, American releases. Wow. So, Anne. All right. Oh, it's dear. your turn as our final yep. option in this. Gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stump you too, but... I thought long and hard about this one, and um, the game is called Mac and X, and it's for the Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will, I will let Brian go first. I do, I do know what uh... it is. <laughs> so do I. So what, what is my? I have to say what it is, or what I think of it is. Well, I yeah yeah say say what you think it is. Well, although I will say my my memory on it is fuzzy, but I do remember it being a Dreamcast game, and I don't remember if it was made by Atlas or someone like that in kind of a first person um, game. But I don't think it's a first person shooter, or maybe it is. But it's I just remember it being very strange and kind of. Uh, um well dark that's okay that's about as much as i can go through dreamcast <laughs> see un unfortunately Anne, you you picked a game from like my favorite yeah, gaming series uh, i know all time, i know i realized slowly realized <laughs> <stuff>. yes <laughs> so yeah like, like it's funny because like i don't completely remember because I, I mean, I do own it and I played it, but I don't, it's been so long, but it was, yeah, see, it was definitely from Atlas, Brian. Um, and I don't think it was actually officially part of the Megami Tensei series, oh. but it's, it's a lot, it was a lot of the same team, uh, you know, the same artist. Uh, I think Kozio Okada worked on it as well. 
Um, and it was a really interesting, like, first-person adventure kind of game. Yes, and you, you, both, right. you both got me. Yep. <laughs> You're both right. <laughs> um, I did a little research just to double-check, but yeah, Koizy Okada did do yeah the art for it and actually that's why i picked it up i remember i got the dreamcast actually after it was already dead um and so i only had like sonic adventure and a couple of other games and i saw this at the store for you know a couple of bucks and i saw the cover and i thought Mm -hmm. oh that looks like shin megami tensei is it the same art like and i thought that it was you know (laughs) more of an rpg so I just grabbed it, and then I kind of played it, and I was like, well, this looks like it, but it doesn't play at all like a Shimigami Tensei game. I'm really confused. And <laughs> so, yeah, it, you know, it was a, they call it a first-person action game, and you actually are playing... Well, the main character is this sword that has, like, a consciousness, and it will do this thing called... Uh, is it? I think it's brain jacking, and it will, like take over people's brains and then you know they will fight but you know you're not actually like playing the human character it's all about this sword that you know takes over the minds of the different characters over the course of the game i think there's something like 13 different characters that the sword possesses and yeah it's very strange and i wasn't very good at it so i never beat it but (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you know it's it's one it's one of those kind of games where i don't remember if I would consider it to be great, but I really had fun playing it because just it was yeah. unique and yeah. it was different. And and it was like another one of those dream, just Dreamcast games where like, you know, you were getting a new experience from what you were used to. Yeah. Uh, well, pick, thank though. you, yeah. even though, you know. <laughs> and, and it makes me want to go back and yeah. play it now. <laughs> they should like remake it for... They actually had a PS2 version. Um, They did? I didn't know that. Yeah, they renamed it. It's not called Mac and X anymore. It's like Maho something or other. I'm not sure. But if you look in, like, you know, the list of Shin Megami Tensei games and all those Atlas games, it should be on there. Yeah, I can't remember if it came out in the u.s or not the second version but it was significantly different it because it was actually didn't... third person it was no longer thir- first person view anymore yeah wow weird huh. hmm well you know what i think that's our show it's our first show <laughs> went okay right yeah, yeah i think it went all right yeah you know, and I, I think that the interesting thing about podcasts and it's like no matter how many times you do podcasts, like if you're doing a new show with people you've never done podcasts before, it's always like there's this always this weird awkwardness to it, you know, yeah. as as you kind of get used to timing. And, and, and I mean, because this, this is literally the first time the three of us have talked to each other, yeah. like vocally, not like typing something on the Internet. <laughs> um, so, you know, like like I said, uh I think we're going to see what we thought of the show and we're going to see what you, the listener thought of the show and see if we want to do more of these. I I think that we decided that it's certainly not going to be like a weekly kind of thing or anything like that, but that if people like the idea and if they want us to keep trying it and making it better, 
then we might try to do them on some sort of regular basis. Yes. Yeah. Right. Hopefully everybody likes it. If they Said say not... no, we don't want to hear you again. That was maybe maybe we'll just <laughs> go on to spite everyone. <laughs> that that's what we'll do. If yes, if we get enough angry <laughs> comments about our podcast, then we'll do the more of them. Yes, I like that. Uh, so you know what I would say is is since I don't actually have an email address set up for this yet, I think the best thing to do is um, all three of us are on Twitter, um, so you could tweet to us. Uh, I will give everybody's Twitter handles if you can, uh, and they'll be in the show notes too. But uh, Brian is at the gay gamer, all one word. Anne is apricot sushi. <laughs> A-P-R-I-C-O-T-S-U-S-H-I. I can't remember if you've ever told me the story behind that or not. Um, maybe not, but it's a good story if you would like to hear it. Uh, no, not really. But... <laughs> uh, it's no, a very please, short story. Please, Actually, uh, when I was learning Japanese, the, uh, one of my teachers said, you know, oh, if you want to write your name in kanji, you could write the kanji for apricot which is uh, tree over mouth is what the kanji looks like as uh, one character and it, alternate reading for that is on so I have oh. uh, yeah sometimes I write my name in kanji not very often but so that's where the apricot came from and sushi I just wanted to show my love for Japan in some way and it sounds cute <laughs> so yes that's it it does uh, and I am Pico Airy, and the reason for that is because there is uh, an imposter Shidoshi out there who keeps taking the name in different places I go. Oh. So I had to come up with a new name that nobody else was going to steal. So I am uh, P-I-K-O-E-R-I. And like I said, all of these will be in the show notes, so don't worry about it. So you can tweet one of us. You can tweet all of us. You can let us know what you thought about the show. Um... If if you are for some strange reason not on this Twitter thing, if if you still think it's nineteen eighties <laughs> and people don't do that, um, drop me a line, and I am just uh, Shidoshi at w a h p dot j p. That's the easiest way to do it, and I will let all of uh, my lovely co-hosts know what you had to say. So definitely, please. Um, with the consideration, of course, in mind that this is our very, very first show, and first shows, no matter who you are, are always rough, <laughs> uh, let us know what you thought, and if this is something interesting that you would like us to keep doing. So you can tweet us or email us, and then uh, we will make some sort of announcement whether or not we're going to do more of these. And any any final thoughts either from either one of you? I just was happy I finally got to talk to both of you, and I had a great time, so... I certainly hope we get to do yeah, it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't want to... If anybody sends you any emails saying not to do it, just delete them. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will... You know what I'll do? I will actually print them out and I will I will mail them to you oh, in the postal mail. Nice. <laughs> I can frame them. Just, just... <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so for, for Anne and for Brian, I am uh, Shidoshi. And this was... The first and hopefully not last episode of uh, the nichiest. <laughs> not sure 100% if the nichiest, but we are saying the nichiest 
podcast ever.